Welcome back to A Friend on the Line. We are here with episode six on healing codependency. This is your host, Lei. I also go by Mahiwagale, and I'm super excited for today's episode. We're going to have a really in depth conversation about healthy versus unhealthy relationships, breaking different patterns, and really recognizing how our current engagement styles with other people often stem back to you know childhood family dynamics so we are here today with our special guest aiko who is a singer a student of music and you know also an amateur makeup artist um, we're very lucky to have her here today um, and so the sequence of the show is going to be some storytelling with aiko and aiko is going to share some of her personal experiences and then we're going to break for music at the beginning and then we're going to really go into everything at the end and then wrap up with some brief messages from spirit um, and then close out with a song as per usual so we are going to start out Aiko, if you want to say hi, and then we can get going with just some info about you um, and just really go into your stories for today. Hello, I'm Aiko. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so Aiko, um, tell us a little bit about, I don't know, I know <laughs> you have so much to share with us today, but let's maybe go back to... <laughs> I don't know, the beginning and just I know we were talking about childhood experiences with you when we were prepping for the show. Yeah, so I so I'm the eldest of five sisters um, and I grew up in a Filipino household. My parents are Filipino, so very traditional, very strict kind of lifestyle. And um, yeah, like I think that this like family dynamic has a lot to do with my dating life and like my romantic experiences. Um, so it kind of started um, kind of like early in middle school. Um, and it was very much like, I think the point, the starting point of just like realizing that um, I was trying to compensate for the lack of like parental attention um, by dating other guys in middle school. So I started dating pretty young. Um, but I think things um, were starting to move towards um, more serious relationships, like in my freshman year of high school. Um, it was kind of, so my first boyfriend, it was just kind of like young love. And he was like my first love. And it was just like a relationship where we were like, oh, like we don't really know what we're doing. We're going to do the things that like, we think we're supposed to. Um, and we eventually broke up later during the year. Mm -hmm. uh, and he broke up with me over text. And, and I think throughout our relationship, there was just like a mismatch of just quality time in general. Um, in his breakup text, he mentioned to me that like, oh, like, hey, like, I don't think things are going to work out. Um, I want to do things on my own, like play basketball and whatever. Yeah, this is and your like, freshman year relationship, right? Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah, sounds like such mm -hmm. a freshman guy thing to say, like you want to play more basketball. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and just like hang out with his friends and stuff. And um, he said to me at the end of the text message, like dating you, it just feels like it's a task, um, like a task that I need to get over with before I can like move on and do the things. Uh, I need to do in my day. 
Um, so that was my first relationship. And I think that kind of like, that's the foundation of where things are going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, my sophomore year, I dated this other guy. Um, and he was super sweet. He was like really nice. We were best friends at first. Um, and he was really close to my family and I was really close to his and we spent a lot of time with each other. Um, and we had a lot in common and, um, we, we ended up breaking up too. And, uh, but afterwards my mom, um, put this like idea in my head and she would always tell me like, Oh, like he was a great guy. Like, why didn't you like date guys like him? Like he was so sweet. He was so Mm -hmm. close to the family like all of these expectations so it kind of like I kind of like internalize these expectations of like what kind of a boyfriend I should bring home to my mom or like a guy that I bring home to my parents you know um and then my junior year I ended up having my first FWB my first friends with benefits um and it was kind of like this whole scandalous situation mm-hmm. um we were found doing like intimate things on school grounds and um, we got caught on the security camera um and so our parents like had to get involved and they, like they were informed and we were banned from going on school trips and whatnot oh together mm-hmm. um but that event um and with my parents being involved in it that kind of put like them as a wedge into my dating life Mm -hmm. and they were putting expectations like oh you shouldn't be doing things like that you shouldn't be seeing guys like that so that was my junior year um and in that same year in that same part of my life um I dated this guy in my choir um and like when I was first starting to get to know him and we were first starting to hang out there were a couple red flags Um, We both had, like, a lot of stuff going on, so there was, like, a lot of miscommunication, and um, we ended up, like, hurting each other's feelings. Um, What did that stem from? Yeah. Sorry? What did that stem from, like, hurting each other's feelings? Like, what were kind of some of these red flags in the relationship? Um, Just, like, like, not prioritizing, like, each other, like, each other's feelings and just getting caught up, like, in our own like selfish needs and wants and like, oh, I, I don't have time for you right now. Like I need to deal with this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but very just like aggressive and just like brush off. Um, just like kind of like a lack of just gentleness and empathy right. in communication. Um, so yeah, uh, we, I, to this day, like I have a lot of like my memories of him like blocked out because yeah. he was kind of like the ex who like really fucked me up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it that relationship really took a, um, a toll on my mental health. It was very strained. Um, but at the same time, like, I ended up having a lot of firsts with him. Like, we went to prom together. Like, we just had a lot of special moments together. Um, but, and, but also, my parents didn't really like him. And they were kind of, like, strict um, when it came to him because... Uh, he would get caught, like, staying over at my place, and I would, like, go and sneak out to go see him. So they didn't really approve of that relationship either, which I also, like, took note of. Um, And in that relationship, like, towards the end, he, I just got, like, red flags from him that he would be, like, like, this lack of attention 
on my end and it was being directed to other people like on his side Mm -hmm. um and if I confronted him gently and be like hey like what's going on and he would just be like oh like I'm not talking to anyone like don't worry like it's fine um and he was actually like seeing like one of my sister's friends and um I found out through my sister um so I kind of knew what was going on behind the scenes like through her yeah definitely um and he every time I would bring it up and confront him like hey like what's going on this is like making me uncomfortable um he would be like just like denying it like oh it's nothing like don't worry and like what you're like crazy like what are you even talking about so just like these signs of like gaslighting like like I'm the crazy one yeah and like warping like like, making everything even though you had concrete proof Mm -hmm. yeah so that definitely like took a toll on me and when we would see each other we would only see each other at night like and we would hook up like only if we were like under the influence um and yeah it, it just ended like on really bad terms um and when after we like officially ended things i ended up um sleeping with somebody else in our choir and i think that like was the beginning of this trend where I had to be, like, physically intimate with somebody else to feel like I'm getting over the previous person. Right. Um, yeah, and which is not, like, healthy, and it's not a good way to cope, and it's still something that, like, I feel like I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was definitely, like, the beginning of that. Um, yeah, that's amazing yeah, that, that was- you, like, picked up on it, too. I mean... Maybe it took mm-hmm. you a little while to notice, but it, like you have this whole history laid out of like freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, and then just like how it was this whole roller coaster, and then it just really culminated with this junior year boyfriend, and then just like this pattern of like getting physically intimate with other people. Like I'm just really proud of you that you like have this whole timeline laid out, and that you like have such a clear and coherent view of it. Yeah, I like. I definitely, like, want to foster, like, healthy relationships moving forward because I didn't have that growing up. Mm-hmm. So I thought it would be, like, good for me to just, like, be, like, okay, like, what are the events that have happened in my life? And, like, what are the things that I can, like, learn from it? And, like, what are the things that I can change to be better? And so I don't have to go through all of this again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like, yeah, I've gone over it a lot and I've got it pretty down. So, Yeah. Yeah, and then after high school, um, I think after that guy in choir that you just mentioned, um, I think that was when you started seeing this guy from, like, the city. Oh, this was still high school, right? This next person? Yeah, yeah. So, like, around, like, the end of my senior year, I'm, like, post-high school grad, um, I got into a relationship with somebody else. Um, He and I, um, he was, like, on a completely different life path on me. Um, and I went in, to college, like in the States and he was going into the army. And, um, so we were doing long distance and, um, we broke up eventually because he was just really controlling and I had to like ask for mm-hmm. his permission to yeah. like do things, to go out, to like see people, um, which is not really healthy either. Um, for example, like I wanted to go to a sorority event and mm-hmm. just kind of like 
see it as an opportunity to like reach out and like make friends and just kind of like get to know people in college as one does. And um, I had to like ask him for permission and he was like super hesitant um, about that and was just like, oh, like I'm really uncomfortable with that because Mm -hmm. like there's the stereotype that like sorority girls hook up with a lot of people and like you, I'm scared that you're like, gonna do something with them Mm -hmm. um so yeah I just like didn't like having that like no sense of like freedom like in my life and it was like you're just starting your college experience and like you wanted to do all these things and like to join a sorority wouldn't even let you do that as if it's you Mm -hmm. know for him to give you that permission sorry yeah and like I feel like college is supposed to be that like Mm -hmm. you know new experiences so, yeah, I think just because of, like, that, like, I knew I didn't want that in a relationship. So um, we ended up parting ways. Um, and kind of, like, in the midst of that, um, my most recent ex-boyfriend was pursuing me during that time. And mm-hmm. he was constantly telling me, like, oh, like, I'm interested in you. I think you're so beautiful. Um, but you have a boyfriend. So, like, blah, blah, blah. But I'm, I'm still here. Um, and I told myself that before going into that relationship, I was going to take time. I was going to take time to heal, um, and try to be better instead of just like jumping into a new relationship. And like, but I also ended up, um, following that same pattern of just like sleeping with him in order for me to get over my previous relationship. Mm, Um, yeah. So we ended up dating for about three years. And um, he ended up cheating on me, which is why we broke up. And there were definitely, like, red flags and, like, signs that he was going to cheat on me. Um, And the first incident um, I can recall was we had already um, been, like, official. Like, we had already been dating for a couple months, and we were, like, official. Um, And... At this point, I wanted to go back on Twitter and, like, start going on Twitter again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had registered, like, with an old phone number. And so I was like, oh, I gave my phone number to guys on Tinder. So I'm just going to download Tinder really quick, look it up, and get my phone number to log back into Twitter. Yeah. So as I was scrolling on Tinder, I, um, we, me, and, like, my ex, or my boyfriend at the time, um, we had like matched and oh, I just yeah. out of curiosity, like mm-hmm. I um, clicked on his profile and he had like updated his pictures um, to like really recent pictures and even ones that like I took of him. Oh my God. And so bad. I know. I know. Um, so I confronted him and I was just like, hey, like what's going on? Like, are, are you on Tinder? I just like wanted to ask because like, I thought that your photos were like updated and stuff. And then he like, was just reassuring me. And he was like, Oh, no, like, <laughs> it's nothing. And I was like, <laughs> um, <laughs> and he's like, it's nothing like I'm like spending the summer with my sister. And like, we were just like doing like pickup line, like jokes on people uh, yeah. for like clout or whatever. And I'm just trying to, like, prank people, essentially. Mm -hmm. And he's like, but if it makes you uncomfortable, like, I'll delete it. Like, it's fine. Like, um, I can just stop. And I was like, okay, yeah. Like, please do. Um, Yeah, I'm not really okay with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that was, like, the first 
incident where that kind of started my codependency um, because I was just really insecure with myself and, you know, like finding out that your significant other is like on Tinder, possibly like right. looking at other potential with pictures partners. that you took on his profile. Yeah, it's like really discouraging and like really harmful for my mental health. So I ended up being very like codependent um, and I would just beg him to like come over and like spend time with me, be intimate with me, um, cuddle. Um, and like kind of similar to like my previous yeah. ex, he was just like, oh, I want to spend time with my friends. Like I want to play video games. I want to go out. Um, and like, which is fine. But then like in the time that we were spending together, uh, I felt like he was like always on his phone and he wasn't just giving me like the full, like 100% attention when he was with me that I like asked for just because like quality time is really important to me. And I felt like I wasn't getting enough of that from him when I was like physically with him. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that like really hit hard on my on me because um it just felt really similar to like how I kind of felt like with my parents just mm -hmm. like not receiving that like attention and just like the lack of like quality time yeah, and together to compete. like I feel like it's similar to you know you mentioned you were the eldest of like uh five total children and then it's almost like you have to compete with all these other things for your parents attention and I just can see that that's replicated here with you know your partners that have had different interests and even when they're present with you they're not really paying attention so I can definitely see you know what you're saying with the codependency how it's like you can feel them slipping away and it's like at that time that you just keep trying harder and harder to get them to come back you know mm -hmm. yeah and it's like what do I have to do to like make you stay when and it's like it shouldn't be like that mm -hmm. you know right um so yeah our relationship was just a lot of ups and downs um another red flag with him was like we didn't really talk about the bad things we were really good at reminiscing the good things but we just kind of decided not to like talk about the bad things um and one of the issues that I had with him was that like he would tell me that he didn't really like want to post me on social media or just like make it really like clear and explicit yeah. that like we were in a relationship um, to a point where I didn't really feel like I was his girlfriend anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and there and there was this one time when he like went to the club with his friends without telling me and like I had his location and. I was just like freaking out because I was like, what do I do? Like, mm -hmm. so I, I like called him and I was just like, Hey, like, are you at the, at the, are you at the club right are you now? At the club? <laughs> and, <laughs> and he was like, yeah, like what, like, is everything okay? Like, what's up? And I was like, Oh, like, I just, I thought you would like, I just wanted to know, like, you know, I just like felt kind of weird that you would just go without like letting me know. Mm -hmm. And, he immediately immediately was just like why are you like what like are you trying to keep tabs on me like yeah are you like like do you want me to leave like I don't want you I don't want to feel like I'm being like controlled right. by you yeah and I was just like no like yeah. it's, not, it's not really about that you just wanted just to like, know <laughs> like just, I just want you to communicate with me and just like mm -hmm. oh I just want to know like fine if you go to the club um but it just like kind of like turned around like really quickly and it right. was just like suddenly like my fault like 
I'm the controlling one. You're the controlling one. one because I didn't tell you that I was going to go to the club with my friends. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that was like another incident that I had with him. Um, and another example, just like me not feeling like I was his girlfriend anymore. Um, we went to Vegas together mm-hmm. and there was like one of the nights where he just wanted to keep on gambling. Um, and it was like 2 a.m. and we had been drinking all day and I was super tired and I just wanted to go back to our Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And I told him that and he was like, oh, well, I want to keep gambling you can go home by yourself or you can go back to the Airbnb. (laughs) Um, And I was like, okay. And he was like, you can call the Uber. Like, here's the keys. Like, go. Like, I'll just, I'll be back in a couple hours. And I was like, all right. Um, So I went back by myself. Oh my God. In Vegas. He sent you home in Vegas. Yeah. Which is like really scary to be like alone in Vegas. Um, But, like, I just remember also feeling really sad um, when I got back because Mm -hmm. I was, like, it didn't even seem like he really cared about, like, my safety or, like, my well-being. Yeah, as a person, like, let alone as his girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, so I was just, like, really bummed, and that was just, like, another sign that I was, like, I'm not really, like, I don't really like how I feel about this. Yeah. Um, And so a lot of this, insecurity that I have like really really built up and there was like a point like there was like a phase where um I had with him where I was just constantly like check his phone because I was so insecure and I just like felt like he was doing something behind my back mm-hmm. um and I stopped doing that for like four or five months because I just wanted to have like complete and utter faith and like trust in him and I was like like telling myself like get over it like you're the one that's being paranoid. Like, you're the one that's being crazy. Stop checking his phone. Um, but one night, he was spending the night at my place. And I just had this, like, gut instinct to go through his phone. And um, so I did. And I was searching in, like, less obvious places. I went through his browser history. Um, and I, like, found searches which were really strange and it was just like how to get laid in vegas or like how to get um like whatever you want from a girl on tinder and i was like what like tinder like this is so these are so strange so i like in the browser i typed in tinder.com and the banner popped up and it was like you already have this app downloaded do you want to open it and i was like oh my God, no. And so I clicked it and it opened up the app and I went to go look at his profile and it said that he had a Tinder Gold account. Oh my God. I can't, I can't. Like like he paid like money to hide his account because when you have a Tinder Gold account, like you can choose um, to set the option to like be hidden from the stack. So that, like, you can only match with right. people that, like, you've swiped right on. So that, like, um, I guess to, like, prevent other people that, like, we mutually knew from seeing him on Tinder. So that that could prevent them from yeah, telling totally me and sucks. having me find out. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, he knew what he was doing. And it was all very planned. And it was all, um, like, very, it was just so planned out. And, like, he knew what he was doing. Um, and so... 
I woke him up and I was just like, hey, are you talking to other girls? And he was just like waking up and he was like, no, no, like, uh, no, what are you talking about? Like, I'm not. And I was like, listen, <laughs> are you on Tinder? And he was like, no, like, what are you talking about? Like, no, I'm not. And I was like, stop, like, just please stop. Like, I went through your phone. I looked at your Tinder and like scrolling all the way down to the messages from the beginning of it. He had been doing this for five months um, at that moment. So he had and been that was doing that whole all time this- that you said, like, you were trying not to check or you hadn't found anything. Right. But you, you still had that mm-hmm. feeling, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was just like my trust had just completely shattered and just like all of that like work that I tried to like build myself up and like having trust in him just all gone in that moment. Um, So we ended up breaking up. We didn't talk for a few days and then we came back together and I was just like, look, like this is not going to work out. Like we need to end things. Um, So we broke up. But even immediately, like, at, like in that conversation, he was like, I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry, like, I just, I, I still want to be friends with you. Oh God, I still want to be a that. part of your life. I know. It's, ugh, it's so frustrating. Um, and he was like, yeah, like, I just, you're so important to me. And I just like, I, I still want to be involved in your life and um, be friends with you, which is like, really difficult to do. Yeah, like, if like, you're in the position you is, that you're entitled to that. After yeah, what you did. Like, <laughs> like maybe you want to be in my life, but I don't know if I want to be in yours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, I was very distraught and it was um, of all the relationships, all of the relationships I've had, um, it was definitely the most serious and like the longest. So I had a hard time like recovering and just like healing. Um, so I ended up falling back into my pattern of um like sleeping with other people to get mm. over with get over him yeah um and yeah and i just remember my reasoning like oh like i can go sleep with this guy because i can and because i think it's going to be empowering like mm-hmm. me taking over like my body and like my choices and whatever yeah um but it didn't <laughs> it didn't empower me it didn't do anything positive for me it didn't give me any sense of like freedom uh, or free will it just ended up being really harmful again and I ended up getting into like complicated situationships if you will um and um yeah so right now like I've done a lot of healing since then and right now I am um with my current partner and we're definitely like he's definitely helping me heal and we're working through a lot of the things but um yeah that's just kind of like where I'm at with like this toxic relationship like like lifestyle like codependency um yeah oh my god that was a lot um and just thank you for sharing and I'm so glad that you're healing and that you're in a space where you can like look back at all of the stuff that's happened to you and the things that you've done and not only that but like share that with other people and like I'm, I'm really hopeful that people listening now can like take something away from this or like relate to it um, and recognize different things that maybe we've experienced or observed um, in other people's relationships, if not our own. 
Um, and yeah, we have so much to talk about because we're gonna break down all of this after we take um, a quick commercial, or not commercial. <laughs> I don't know who I think I am. I think I'm sponsored or something, but it's just, it's a music break. Um, so I, I'm gonna play the music in like a second. Um, but yeah, we'll be back on air in a few and we'll be talking more with Aiko about um, all these different things that have happened um, and we're gonna talk about different patterns and how just everything relates to each other um, and how to heal you know, our attachment to maybe toxic relationships or unfulfilling partnerships um, and just you know, to recognize codependency even in relationships that, that aren't romantic. Um, so stay tuned for that. Right now I'm gonna play a few songs. Okay, we are back on with episode six. Um, thank you for those of you tuning in live. Aiko, are you there? Hello. Okay, here. perfect. So um, just to recap what we covered in the first segment of this episode, Aiko um, did us all such a great honor by sharing so many of her personal experiences. Um, she shared that she's the eldest of five kids, um, that she often ended up feeling like she was competing for her parents' attention or didn't really um, get that one-on-one -on -one quality time um, from that you know, set of family dynamics. And then that translated um, throughout her relationships, especially starting in middle school and high school. Um, and it really culminated with a lot or not a lot, but a couple different partners um, who range just from you know being selfish and maybe not so uh, emotionally intelligent or considerate to just um, really treating Aiko not in the way that she deserved to be treated, and in terms of you know there being some abusive behavior um, such as gaslighting. So that being said, I would love to talk with you, Aiko, about just spotting those red flags, what people listening um, to this episode right now can really just like take away from that and just different things that people can look out for um, in terms of recognizing that a relationship is not working out or that someone is just really not a great potential love interest. For sure, yeah. I think um, one of the biggest things that like, at least from my last relationship that I would hope people would want to take away from listening to this um, is that if you're going through your partner's phone um, or their like social media and are just like completely obsessed and just like checking all of their interactions, that's a red flag. Um, <laughs> it's not a good, it just means that there's like a lack of trust that you can't really trust your partner to be alone or to be making like the decisions that they're making. Mm -hmm. um, and like for me that's like not a real that's not a partner that i would really want to invest my time totally in mm -hmm. and i think it comes down to distinguishing between like okay are you doing this for like every single person um is it just suspicion to the point where it's obvious that it's like a you problem and maybe there's different experiences from the past that you kind of project onto numerous partners no matter how trustworthy they show themselves to be or is it really like you have that feeling you've noticed different things and you're just kind of looking to confirm your suspicions because a lot of the time you know and we saw this in Aiko's stories where you know her partner had lied about like having tinder and tried to be like oh it was just a joke we were playing a prank i'm not using that for real like there are those things when it's like okay there's some pretty clear signs and if you're just looking for further confirmation i mean it's really just at the end of the day you're gonna have to make that choice of like okay i know enough and it's time for me to just um cut my losses and and just keep moving on um 
And I, I can totally relate to that, you know, when you keep looking for different things on like social media and it's such a difficult thing when like we live so much of our lives in that way um, nowadays. And it's just like, I, I feel like if you're not getting that quality time in person, like that ends up leading to wondering and, and doing things, um, you know, elsewhere and, and, and snooping through, you know, their phones or all of that. And so I think at the end of the day, when you know something fundamentally isn't working, like you're not getting that quality time, like just save yourself the trouble of like a invading someone's privacy and just really going with what you know offhand, which is that you're not getting the attention. This person is just basically not interested. They're not giving you those signs that they value the relationship or that they value spending time with you. Um, and it's just everybody listening is just worth way more than that. Um, and so, yeah, signs of gaslighting. Uh, Aiko, we definitely, <laughs> we just talked about that for one when um, your partner was like, what are your, why are you going through my phone? Or they kind of like flip it around or make you seem crazy for like bringing up these different things. I don't know if you want to go um, more in depth on that or um, I don't know if there's more experiences you want to share. I mean, I have my own take on like gaslighting and you can help explain that um, too a little bit more for anybody listening in who isn't quite sure what gaslighting is. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think like the way that I think of it or at least when I was like doing research on it, um, and the way it also made me feel, it's like, like in an example, like if my partner is doing something that is like making me uncomfortable or is mm-hmm. like doing something that I feel like is worth bringing up and I'm doing it like, Hey, um, I noticed that you're doing X, Y, Z and I feel like this and this way about it. Um, kind of just to like start a conversation or at least have like these like good intentions of just like hey like what's going on Mm -hmm. um and when your partner just denies it i think it's like a big sign is like it's just lying just denying it Mm -hmm. but then also like trying to change your sense of reality right like like being like oh like it's not me that has a problem it's actually you like you're making up things in your head like i don't know where you're grabbing these like Mm -hmm. you're like you're reaching like the story is like fake and blah 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 so um when you feel like i feel like for me it's like when you feel like you're confronting them and then it gets back like turned back on you and suddenly like it's your fault i Mm -hmm. think that's one of the ways that I know, like, oh, am I being gaslit right now? Yeah, and they just try to confuse you or totally undermine, like, your, I don't know, not credentials, but just your capacity to really speak your mind and to say just what you're observing, point blank. Um, I think definitely that dismissive attitude is a red flag. Um, it's one thing, you know, for someone to respectfully disagree if they actually, you know, share what happened was different. But I think that right away, if you're approaching someone in good faith and they come back at you like what are you talking about and like they're just completely underwrite everything that you have concerns about like that is such a huge sign that like this person doesn't really care about comforting you about making sure that you feel heard um and they just don't really respect your emotions and especially you know different ways that someone can gaslight you they can try to make themselves sound more su- like superior to you. Um, I think a way of doing that is like making themselves sound more experienced. Um, it's like if they especially come out of like 
I don't know, like left field and being like, oh, you know what? I'm actually like accomplished in this, this and this. I'm older than you by a lot. I'm more experienced. Like you're just a kid. And especially when it's like not even that much of a difference between you two. And like they start bringing up things to sort of like justify like how they are better than you in some way. I think that's a huge sign that someone um, is really trying to exacerbate like a balance, um, I'm sorry, imbalance of power. Um, just again, by undermining just who you are and where you stand in the relationship. I don't know if yeah. you've experienced that or like different things. Cause like that was something that I've, I've seen, you know, um, and experienced too is, you know, I've just seen that even if you just get in normal debates with somebody, um, it's, even if it's not with a romantic partner, if you, someone starts coming out of nowhere and being like, you know what? I actually won an Oscar last year. Like, bro, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. That's just so out of the park. Um, I definitely haven't experienced, um, like, kind of the superiority. Maybe I've, like, felt it, but yeah. definitely not as extreme as that. What about you? Yeah, it was just sort of, like, those different things and things that I've seen. I mean, I, what I mentioned, to like, or just earlier was, you know, people pointing out ways that they're superior to you. Um, and I just totally agree with what you said about just that communication and them creating confusion and them saying like actually you're the one who doesn't know how to communicate and this this and this um and i think if someone focuses more on pointing out how you're wrong rather than like adequately giving time to you know uh finding a resolution or a compromise between the both of you and especially if they don't own up to them being wrong like that is huge i think if someone, you know, in general, um, let alone if, you know, they're romantically involved with you or not, if they own up to um, their being wrong, like that's a show of, again, good faith and that they're just honoring where they stand with you and just being respectful. And if they don't or they spend like little to no time, like addressing, you know, the ways that they disrespected you, like that's just it says a lot, you know. Yeah, definitely. I think mm -hmm. that um, that kind of like attitude is kind of like pushing this agenda of just like, I'm a good person. I want to be seen as a good person. And yeah. you're calling me out on my actions that make me look like a bad person. And yeah, I don't want to exactly. accept that. They because care I don't more about how they look bother. rather than actually being mm -hmm. a good person and treating you right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I don't want to bother like putting in the work to having to try to be. Oh, are you still there, Iko? I don't know if Aiko is still, maybe Aiko got muted. Let me check in with her really quick. I mean, I'm going to, uh, I could keep talking until she comes back. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, okay, I'm talking to Aiko right now. I'm just, I'm just going to ride this one out instead of like pretending that we're not having phone issues. Okay, so I'm like, I'm going to call Aiko again super quickly <laughs> thank you to everybody listening right now for your patience uh, let me call her okay we're we getting Iko back hello okay awesome so we got you right back um i don't know if you heard the last bit that i said um i think you were still able to hear me right yeah okay perfect so just 
we're continuing on um, red flags. I don't know if you want to talk more about gaslighting, but I wanted to bring up how um, something that was common in your relationships was just like the other person didn't make time for you or like when they made time for you, it was really like at their convenience. I noticed, you know, I think it was the relationship when you were in high school, how like he would only come over like at night or like, you know, potentially if you're like hooking up. Um, or it's, you know, if you were intoxicated or, or just different things like that, where it was just really like you're such a low priority in it. If things only happen, you know, at nighttime or just like at the end of the day and they don't have to actually put in much of an effort, I think that's a huge red flag. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like when I was being put into those situations where I'm like kind of being put on the back burner, um, when I am on the back burner, it's just like, okay, well, when I am spending time with them and, um, like I get the time to spend time with them, like, what is it in those moments that makes them want to hang out with me? And what can I do to make sure that they do it more often since I want to have this quality time with them, which is a super toxic way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's definitely, that was like kind of my mind, my, my process. Um, when I was in those moments. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think like a way to recognize, you know, a healthy relationship in general is just like, do they go out of their way? Like, do they take the initiative to hit you up, to say hello, how are you doing? And to make plans with you. Because if you're the only one putting in effort, that's something that you know most people can feel. And that's, I feel like, you know, Iko having experienced these different issues of codependency, like that was when Iko would, you know, when you, Iko would put in more of an effort to kind of reel that person back. But when you can feel yourself doing that, I almost, I think that it should just be a clear sign that, you know, things are not going well and it just has come to a point where just a clear conversation needs to be had rather than trying to find some sort of cheat code um, to make this person want to be with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, communication is definitely key when it comes to um, like establishing boundaries and like figuring out like um, each other's love languages and like each other's needs and wants. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And I think something that is difficult for some people, um, I just think that some people want to be independent in a way where like it just doesn't mesh really well with being in a partnership. And I think people just need to be honest about that and just consider whether they're really ready to be in a relationship where it's like, you know, obviously the other person shouldn't be controlling you, but there's got to be a certain level of communication of like, hey, I'm going to do this and this um, and just have that sort of accountability there um, and making sure that your partner's needs are met. And there's just a point of like, there's a certain level of consideration that you're going to have to put into the relationship. And I just feel like a lot of people, and I will say, especially guys just like, kind of want to do their own thing um and i just you know this is not to say that that's wrong but i think that there's just there's gonna have to be a coming to terms with that when anybody like wants to be in a pretty serious relationship with someone else so um Aiko, i don't know if you have anything else to mention on red flags but otherwise we could talk more about just maybe foundational dynamics that feed into like codependency and unhealthy attachment styles yeah Let's go into that. Okay, perfect. So, um, yeah, I'm so curious, like, what made you put together the pieces of, like, realizing that your childhood experience of being the eldest of five um, and with just that many kids around not really having um, as much attention from your parents, I'm wondering when you realized 
that that informed how you kind of kept seeking people who were likewise unavailable, you know, in a way that um, is just reminiscent of your parents? Like what kind of spurred that revelation for you? Um, I think it was uh, just like the events like leading up to my graduation in high school, or I guess like after too, um, just feeling like even as being the oldest um, and having a lot of privilege as being the oldest, Mm -hmm. I still felt like my parents' um, like energy and their attention was spread out amongst the five of us. Mm -hmm. And... um, and the age gap also between me and like my younger sisters, um, actually in between each of us are not that large. Um, I think the biggest age gap between like each of us consecutively is about like four years. Mm-hmm. So after me, there was a two year gap and then there was my next sister. And then after that, that was like just a little bit over a year in between them. Um, then after that, I think three years, and then after that, four years. So we're all pretty close in age. So, like at this point, and they're and they're all still really young. Um, I'm 23, so um, the life stages, like the really important life stages that we all went yeah. through, just kind of felt like really spread out. And um, I guess I ended up feeling like, well, my younger sisters. I I love my sisters, but as it goes like that my younger sisters ended up getting a lot of attention Mm -hmm. from them Mm -hmm. because it was kind of like me being the oldest like you're the guinea pig like you figure it out (laughs) um and it's like well I want help like I I want to be recognized like I want to have like that parental love and just that attention like I don't know how to navigate this by myself but I kind of have to um so I ended up doing that in like unhealthy ways. I can't really pinpoint an exact moment, um, but I think it's definitely just like a gradual like realization over the past few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just feel like definitely what you're saying with there being such a big age gap, you know, I can imagine when you're in middle school and high school, you know, your parents probably thought like, oh, she's independent enough. And their attention was just being called to those kids who are a lot younger and really aren't able to be as independent without their parents. So I can just see how that affected you. And, you know, you said like in middle school, that was when you started getting into like relationships and that going on into high school. And I noticed like I just you talking now made me realize like you got in trouble with your parents a lot and I almost wonder whether that may have been like a subconscious like desire too for that attention directly from your parents is like and knowing that one way you could get that is if okay you were a not only seeking attention from the relationships of these guys that you're dating but b you're also seeking attention from your parents and that you know when you get caught sneaking out or like your boyfriend's got uh caught sneaking into your place like that was just one way where like they would actually have their attention diverted to you and even if that was negative i just feel like you know that was some form of them um being attentive to you you know and i i know that's a common thing for a lot of people yeah that's definitely the case for me um it was just really sad because i think you're right like it probably was a subconscious thing because it's like oh yeah like if I think about the attention that I did get from my parents Mm -hmm. when I did get it in high school was mostly negative but like probably inside I was like well it's still attention right like that's like them trying to care about me 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk too about um, just how different relationship models can end up informing how people um, seek out various partners or different sorts of relationship dynamics. I mean, this isn't something we really talked about um, with you specifically, which is totally fine, but I can think of people, you know, whose parents were not very close or maybe their parents had a toxic relationship and especially, you know, one a uh, parent may have been pretty abusive, um, they may have had a temper, or you know, there just may have been like an air of emotional distance in the house. And so it just feels like for people, like if there is that emotional distance, um, you know, growing up, like that's often gonna be replicated in relationships, whether that person is conscious of it or not. Um, I do, I have witnessed like, you know, people who maybe have parent issues where like their parent has like a huge temper. Like I have noticed that some people um, with that kind of background tend to gravitate towards relationships where there is a lot of fighting because some people learn to fight almost as a love language like that is the only way of bonding and interaction um, that they're used to and I think that there is something really frightening about about breaking that in some way because even though it can be really you know scary um, in its own way like being in those relationships that are so reminiscent of of conflict at home like to seek out something safe that is actually terrifying too because that would just call for you to renounce everything that you've known um, same thing with like emotional distance um, you know where it becomes again like frightening and just really challenging to um, be open to uh I guess, love interests or maybe even friends, you know, we can talk about platonic relationships too, where someone is actually really emotionally um, honest, open, available. Um, and if you're just not used to doing that or you're suspicious of that, I mean, that's going to be really tough to accept those kinds of um, healthy relationships. Um, and oh yeah, the one thing I wanted to say too, yeah, just, I guess people being avoidant. Um, yeah. I guess it's what I said of being afraid of situations where, yeah, real love is possible or available. And so I think for a lot of people, there's um, an opportunity to really recognize what their parents' relationship was like, or maybe if it's not your parents, like your caregivers or just whatever different um, relationships in, in general that you witnessed growing up and just seeing how that informs like how you pursue different people or maybe run away from different people and just figuring out like how can you actually engage with partnerships or friendships or whatever um, that, are, that are actually fulfilling for you. Um, Aiko, I don't know if you want to add to any of that. I know I just kind of like talked a lot about uh, parental dynamics. No, yeah. Um, I definitely see that within my own like friendships too and like their experiences that um, like our parents essentially or whoever's taking care of us, um, that is like our first example of like unconditional love and when we don't receive that and we are given like a different example instead yeah I definitely agree like we go and seek things that are similar because that's what is most like familiar and most comforting to us so yeah I definitely resonate with that and have seen that a lot too Mm -hmm. And I think I want to mention too for people who maybe if they don't gravitate towards like abusive partners and maybe they end up um, emulating and repeating those kinds of abusive behaviors, I think I would hope that, you know, anybody listening who, to whom this applies, um, that you just kind of 
recognize who are you imitating just sort of like what behaviors are you replicating um because again if just like if you were brought up with a person who expressed their emotions by yelling or by being controlling it just becomes easy for you maybe um to absorb those different things and to end up just voicing that person when you feel upset and frustrated and they're just um kind of needs to be the opportunity to um i guess rewire that and just recognize when um you need to actually express your emotions in a healthy way rather than um adopting the behaviors of a parent or just somebody who raised you or who was around you um and who who did that just by sort of i don't want to use the word toxic because that sometimes that's like overused but you know just people who are um at the very least like verbally and emotionally abusive um so i guess coming off of that like I think, Aiko, we should talk about how to move beyond that. And I think one way of moving on from the past, I mean, it can just feel so challenging. Like, how do I move on from this thing? Like, how do I not feel stuck? How do I not replicate um, these situations? I think the most important thing is to accept that you can't change your past. And I know, Aiko, you've gone through this whole process of... um, trying to you know understand your parents and where they came from I don't know if you want to go um, into that right now in a little more detail yeah definitely um, I am definitely with this whole concept of just like trying to rewire and like change your thinking and essentially like breaking the cycle um, I think the reason why I'm dealing with the issues that I have now is because of like unresolved issues that my parents had when they were dealing with their parents mm-hmm. Um So it's kind of like um, this generational gap and also this generational cycle of just like um, unresolved issues and like patterns of behavior. And like, yeah, I agree. Like the first way to take a step, um, like the first step you have to take to moving towards that is like recognizing that within yourself. Um, And then, yeah, I'm just being like, okay, like what can I do better? And like, how can I change that so I can break the cycle so that I can if like the people in my circle yeah. um, get influenced by that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it can also feel like a lot of pressure once you um, view it like that through a lens of intergenerational trauma. And I think the first thing to do to not feel overwhelmed by that is to like take a deep breath and recognize that what you're doing first and foremost is for you um, and kind of accepting that you can't heal your parents, you can't change your parents. Um, you know, especially if they're still engaging in maybe some uh, harmful dynamics or behaviors. Um, But it's just accepting like A, that you can't change what happened to you in the past and you can't keep trying to change that. And and it just becomes a matter of like knowing that you can't resolve what happened back then, but that you can focus on the actions that you can take right now. And I, I think what you said is so spot on about recognizing like, what your parents have gone through and especially maybe from their own parents um different situations that they may have been in that were really difficult um and understanding the context but also absolving yourself of the responsibility of you know maybe healing your parents um and and also finding that balance between forgiving them for the way that they've been and maybe the way that they still are without um you know leaning on them more than you have to it's like it's a matter of forgiveness not just in a way that justifies them or or excuses them for what they've done but just in a way where you don't carry that resentment anymore and you accept that look what that person does is their choice like all I can do um is make healthy choices for myself yes yes thank you so much that's definitely like what I needed to hear 
Um, yeah, my parents, like, I have something going on with my mom, and, um, yeah, it's definitely, like, I have a lot of resentment built up in me, Mm -hmm. and I'm just, like, I wish my mom just, like, treated me like this, or I wish she met my needs during this time, but, you know, all of the things that have passed, like, it is what it is now, it happened, and the only thing we can do is, like, move forward, and possibly, like, whether it's communication or, you know, just like in like healing inward um, to start now and like, um, like do better for your future and not to like justify, like you said, like not to justify their behavior, Mm -hmm. but to help you like be at peace and like let go of that resentment towards them. Yes. And I just think that so much of recentering yourself is again, what we just talked about about a like letting go of the past and then b not trying to change anybody else but just really pulling everything you're looking for away from those external sources away from other people away from the past or away from the future and really focusing on on being in the present moment um and divesting again that care that you're seeking from other sources and really putting that into yourself um and that isn't to say like oh people don't need companionship because we are you know very social uh creatures but it's really about recentering into yourself in a way where when you're meeting new people or engaging with um you know potential connections it's like you're only going to be open to those people who respect the place that you're coming from which is a place of self-respect um and a and a just a level of interest in maintaining uh connections that are healthy for you and so um Aiko I wanted to talk about you know building up the self um you know something that we were talking about uh, or that you were talking about was how you started to use like physical intimacy with other people as a way of um getting over you know the relationships that you were just in and kind of moving from um one connection to another one person to another and you know that isn't to say like look people can do what they want right but if it comes to a point where you are not feeling good about it after the fact like that's a pretty clear sign um that what you're doing is just detrimental for your emotional well-being um and so i just i feel like i would love to go more in depth with that Aiko. so um i mean like you did talk about it earlier and then it's just like that codependency you were talking about about looking for that from relationships and then trying to move on with other people i just feel like you were sort of um replacing um the person from from before and you were kind of always consistently seeking other people rather than like taking that time for yourself yeah um one of my i guess like one of my other love languages that's like at the top is like physical touch so like intimacy to me is really important um and i think is at least for me like one of the greatest ways that i can show my love um and mm-hmm. for another person um so i feel like when i started this trend or like started this pattern of behavior um i was like doing it to be like it's okay like if i can go and sleep with somebody else like it's one like comforting for me and like these this idea of just like oh like i don't need them to like feel comforted or Mm -hmm. like pleasure like in my own body um so but at the same time i like i knew it's not like i knew it wasn't a good thing for me because to me like sleeping with somebody like that's like really high level of intimacy for me Mm -hmm. um and kind of just like jumping straight into it um yeah just like diving into deep water like it's just so um like it can be so intimidating and like 
it's just kind of like this numbing process of just like mm-hmm. trying to forget about the past and um, just focusing on like what feels good instead of like essentially like moment, massaging not, out like, like beyond that, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, like so... what needs to be addressed. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, it's just like massaging out like what needs to actually be addressed instead of seeking pleasure. That's yeah, all. and what I'm noticing is just like when you keep seeking those connections with other people, whether that's like being serially monogamous or um, jumping from one physical situation to another, I just can see that um, that probably stems from this feeling like your own energy and your own company isn't enough. And again, what we talked about earlier of the importance of recentering and regrounding yourself is knowing that you have more than enough energy and love to keep yourself going um, and to really keep yourself company in the meantime, even if you're in between relationships, even if you're healing from a breakup, it's really like, again, like pulling yourself back together and especially pulling your energy back from these different people that you've been involved with. And so a spiritual phenomenon that I wanted to go into for people that may not be um, aware of it, it's, it's called energetic cords of attachment. So energetic cords of attachment, they're sort of like, I don't know, it's, it's like a sort of like a metaphysical, spiritual, like emotional thing where um, especially when people are OK, well, not only people are are in codependent relationships, but just I say, I guess if you um, form an emotional connection with someone um, or you get really intimate with somebody, you can form like it's, it's basically like an energy cord to someone else, especially if you all are really close. And, you know, this happens a lot, too, with like um, romantic partners, um, maybe physical partners. Um, and it's just a way where like People can, yeah, feel connected, but it's detrimental because what this is is basically a link between your energy and theirs. So you can actually like, what ends up happening is you can end up like picking up on their emotions or you're kind of absorbing their energy and they're picking up on your energy. So this can feel like, you know, you being emotionally drained, especially for someone who is really emotionally sensitive, someone who's used to other people kind of like um, taking up your time and energy and, and just having people sort of like leech off you in that way. Like this is sort of like what that can manifest as and so these cords of attachment I feel like they honestly happen a lot easier when people jump into physical intimacy with someone because that is I mean like it says like just it's just a really intimate situation and so you know it's like after you you know, are not even involved with that person, you can sort of feel their energy around. Like, I don't know for if those of you who maybe like aren't as into like the spiritual lingo kind of know what I'm talking about, but it can feel like, you know, you have a dream and you can feel them around or it's like you're not with them. Maybe you haven't talked to them, but you can just feel a connection to them. You can feel their energy around you. And I mean, in general, like these cords are not healthy because you want to keep your energy to yourself like you don't want to be siphoning um off someone's energy or have them like feeding off your energy and it just becomes really important to cut these and make sure that you are standing independent and clear um in your own space so um this you know these can build up a lot especially if for people who maybe say yes to things, um, who let other people take advantage of them, or who you know have a lot of different connections to people that just aren't um, healthy, or even if they are like quote unquote healthy, it's like you can still end up forming these emotional attachments to people um, in a way where again it's just to the detriment of your um, energetic independence and clarity. So the way to cut these um, is to envision yourself. Um, 
calling back that energy of all the pieces of you, especially if you feel like you kind of kept giving your heart away to different people, especially to people who didn't deserve it. Um, definitely just like envision all of that coming back to you and then envision yourself releasing all of the energy from different people that you've picked up and just kind of releasing all those things, releasing all the attachments that you have, release the desire to look at these people and to be connected to them, even if you know, you're not really active um, in, in real life or you know, especially if they don't, haven't treated you well or just have been MIA, um, really learn to let those things go. And then once you've called back your energy and then you've sent their energy back, um, you can just envision like cutting all of these cords and just releasing everything and, and having those connections um, cut so that you will just feel a lot lighter, I feel like, because, you know, for people who are... Um, who tend to get caught up in codependency or who, again, tend to be um, kind of like yes people and you don't know how to say no or set boundaries, um, you're definitely going to feel a difference once you make that mental, emotional, spiritual commitment to setting those boundaries again and releasing your energy um, from other people. Does that, Aiko, I think I may have talked about this with you, but does that kind of make sense? Like, I know you are probably not as familiar with this too, so if you have questions for me, like you're absolutely welcome to voice them especially because people listening may not really like understand what I'm talking about as well but maybe you can kind of like relate to the different I guess like symptoms that I was talking about um, in terms of recognizing when you have these cords to other people no yeah that totally makes sense I um I'm wondering if like cutting these cords mm -hmm. is also like a form of closure mm -hmm. or like seeking like a form of closure to like cut that like would that like include maybe like confronting that person yeah. or just like it's something you have to kind of come to terms with with yourself yeah it's definitely something that you can do on your own um i think you brought up some good stuff that i want to mention because when you know when you talk about closure and that coming after a breakup you know a lot of the times that's why breakups can feel so painful is because oftentimes there is a, a an uncording especially if one person walks away from the relationship and like you can almost feel like there's a cut from you between you and them it's something that you can feel emotionally not just for them walking out of your life but it's almost like you can feel like their energy is gone and you just don't have that connection anymore well that's because you have that energetic cord of attachment um, to them and another thing that I want to mention too is like when you cut these cords you know talking about closure right you have to be sure that you don't want them to come back in your life because sometimes, you know, even if you haven't talked to them a long time, but you decide to cut these cords, like they can feel it and then they may end up like hitting you up randomly. Why? Okay, yeah. So I want to mention, you know, with that thing where it's like as soon as you move on, like some dude from the past is like starts hitting you up and it's like they have a radar for it. Well, this is also why. Because like people do have radars because they have that emotional connection to you once they kind of feel that dissipating. Some people, if they're used to like having those cords or they want to keep connected to you, they'll try to keep hold of it you know even if you haven't been connected in real life like I've had this happen where I've like cut cords with somebody and then like the next day like I will get a text I you know this has happened even from someone I hadn't spoken to like in months and like they will just like ask how I'm doing um, and that's a good sign that 
it's worked that you've cut the cords, but it's also a, it's also that um, test, right? Like, are you ready to let this go? I mean, this person's coming back, but like, is it really, is anything gonna be different if you say yes, if you wanna reconnect with them? And the point of cutting the cords is to be sure that you didn't wanna connect because it just wasn't working out for you. Um, yeah, I thought that was super important to mention because there's different ways that like uncording can feel like and like what might happen afterwards. Um, yeah, does that, have you ever experienced that, Aiko, or did you have questions about like what I just said? No, yeah, I've definitely, like, had that exact same situation where it's just like, okay, like, I'm done talking to this person, it's, it's over, and then they hit me up out of the blue, and they're like, hey, can we talk, mm-hmm. and, and I just wanted to say that, like, I had a great time with you, and blah, yeah. blah, blah, and I'm like, oh, my God, like, they're like, do you want to come over and just, like, get, or, like, get coffee or something, and I'm like, no, like, I just did this for myself, um, so that's crazy that we're still like attached to people and that like even if you're not physically close to each other that you know that energy between you is still there mm-hmm. um and that like deciding to cut it off can impact the other side mm-hmm. um yeah yeah and i want to go into what you mentioned earlier about um love languages that are really important to you i think that is one positive thing that you know you took out of these relationships is recognizing that your love languages are you said physical touch and definitely quality time and i think it's really important to um recognize what different ways make you feel loved and i think also ways that make your friends your family and like your partners feel loved because people are just not gonna have that same thing that like makes them feel really good like for me my love language is like acts of service so if i go out of my way to like help you with something practical especially or you help me like you teach me something or like you give me a helping hand like that means the world to me um versus like gift giving for me like that isn't something like that actually stresses me out sometimes. So um, Aiko, I don't know if you want to share like how you kind of started learning about this or what um, kind of spurred you to realize like, uh, you know, what made the difference for you in in terms of feeling loved? Yeah, um, I learned about love languages in college and like I took that quiz on (laughs) fivelovelanguages.com and (laughs) I also learned that, you know, like other than like, the order of what your love languages appear is also like the way that you express your love languages to loved ones. Um, because the way that you might express it may not be the way that they want to receive it too. Um, and I see that a lot. Like I, I see that in like my previous relationships, like, Oh, like my partner, um, really appreciates like words of affirmation. Um, and I might be giving them like acts of service, but it's like, that's not how they feel loved. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually see it a lot too. And with my parents, my mom is actually quite the gift giver. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of her top, um, love languages. So she'll just like go out and like buy me a dress or like buy me things that, or like snacks that she thinks that I like. Um, but yeah, like, like we mentioned, like, my love language is like quality time and just like spending time and just like being close and just like spending time with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I received these gifts, I'm like, I didn't ask for this or I'm like, mm-hmm. huh? Um, and then at the same time, I'm not really good at gift giving either. So when it comes to like holidays or like things where presents are a thing, I'm, I'm always scrambling and I'm like, ah, yeah, like, same. but I think they're all definitely, each of the love languages, I think are, um, I like to see them as skills um, because 
everyone has different love languages and I think it's something that we can like constantly be working on and constantly be building um, so that you can get better at doing one over the other and because also I realized that love languages change over time just like with your what you prioritize and like where you are in life so those are like a lot of like the bigger things um, of love languages that I've taken away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think, you know, as you were talking about, like, recognizing those needs are really important um, and kind of just finding a way to communicate them with other people so that we know um, where each of us is coming from because we're not always going to have the same um, styles of relationships or of getting our needs met. Um, And I want to also bring up just something that we kind of touched on earlier that's really important, but just learning to trust yourself, um, trusting not only that your needs are valid, but that you know when they're not being met and you know when someone is kind of giving you the runaround. It, It comes to a point where like you need to trust your intuition and that your observations are correct. Um, and that you are recognizing red flags for different things um, when it comes to relationships of all of all different sorts. Um, yeah, we're starting to like wrap up this episode. So, you know, coming off this, like I could, do you want to add anything in terms of like what is super important in terms of like trusting yourself, recognizing what you need, just kind of further things to help engage in healthy um, relationship behaviors? Yeah, it's definitely something that I'm still working on today. But I think like most importantly for like people that are listening, it's like you are worth it. Like Mm -hmm. you deserve the best. Like you deserve the world and more. And if someone isn't giving you even like the bare minimum or just like like what you need and like what you deserve, it's okay to leave. Like it's okay to do things that you know are going to set you up for success and set you up for happiness in the future even if it's at the cost of, you know, cutting, like cutting off a person Mm -hmm. or ending like a relationship, because at the end of the day, um, a relationship is um, a partnership. Um, But that also means like it should be benefiting yourself as well. And if it's not, then it's not something that you need to be putting your energy or time like invested into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think just adding to that, like a perspective that I've worked on for myself is just like, you know, I'm willing to work on relationships, even just friendships. But if it comes to a point where it feels like it's more frustrating than not, I think, you know, it comes down to a choice of like, how much am I going to entertain this? Like, when am I going to set those boundaries um, in a a really firm way to respect my time, um, my energy and my peace, because nothing is worth more than my peace of mind and my well-being. So if people really don't treat me right, like I've been, you know, like, pretty clear about letting that go and just not um standing for it and I just think that's been really important for my well-being and I've come to a point where I'm really strong in that so I'm just glad that you and I are both working on that because for me it's really like you know especially when it comes to romantic relationships it's like if it's not fulfilling for me like I'd honestly rather stay single because I just want to ensure that whenever I have a connection with someone you know whether it's platonic or romantic or what um that it just reached sorry (laughs) reaches the standards that um I've set for myself because I just really won't um, go for less um, and when it comes to letting people in and letting them be really close to me just because I worked so hard on um, you know my ethics and my values and just making sure like I'm at a certain place of openness um, and and just honesty with with myself and others so um, yeah I want to thank you so much Aiko for sharing all of that and I just feel like 
you know, even if people are on um, different levels in their like healing journey or have different experiences, um, I think it's so refreshing for everybody to kind of come together and just, you know, share what we've been through and seeing the commonalities and just seeing the different things that we recognize. Um, and I'm, I'm so grateful that you just came on the show um, and that you shared your personal um, healing journey with us and all this advice that you've shared as well. It's just been really, really gratifying, Aiko. I don't know if you want to add um, any last comments before um, I segue into, I, I can do brief spirit messages if you're still open to that. And then we can like go into like wrapping up with um, the show with the, with the plugs bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, Thank you so much for having me, first of all. Um, I feel like coming on to this, like when I saw you like reaching out and being like, hey, um, I thought like this would be a really good opportunity to like share with listeners um, my experiences and hopefully like have other people learn from them. Like being the eldest, um, like I've always wanted, I've always strived to um, like set an example and um like have my sisters like learn from my mistakes. And I'm just hoping mm -hmm. that people listening out there can yeah. learn from my mistakes too. Um, and that, um, that it's worth it. Like healing and like taking the time to love yourself and like learn about these things and become aware of them. It's so worth it um, to be like what you mentioned, like at um, a peace of mind. And um, I definitely learned a lot too um, about the emotional, like, cords or the energetic cords mm -hmm. um and I think that's definitely kind of like one of the next steps that I want to take um with like my relationship mm -hmm. and like Fearing the energy that. that I'm holding on to yeah but yeah like I really appreciate it thank you so much for having me yeah, <laughs> of course and then Aiko did you want like um a brief message from spirit because for those of you who don't know i am an intuitive medium um and that is what i do um uh, in my business and um i would love to just share that with you aiko if that's something that you're open to yeah yeah i'm definitely down okay cool so yeah i've already started seeing stuff just a, a little bit earlier but what they're showing me like i see a unicorn um but it especially looks like a plushie and i feel like this unicorn represents like something up strong about your energy and just that there's a purity of heart purity of spirit and really good intentions i just feel like there's no malice in you in your heart i don't feel like there is any really strong i mean i know you said you have some resentment right but it doesn't there's nothing really like powerful in you in terms of like overriding that um that sense of optimism that you you have and just that willingness to look on the bright side and to have a chipper attitude about things and really and just again looking at the positive and so i see your feet um planted on like it's a bed of it looks like autumn leaves um and it's like it's like a circle and then you're standing on it it's not like a huge circle um it's maybe like several feet um wide but then I feel like there's almost like a gathering wind it just feels like something's brewing around you in the landscape um it is a pretty flat landscape which means that you have some pretty um good visibility for what's going on in your life at this moment that's just if I see like maybe a lot of trees or a lot of things obstructing someone's view that means that they just really don't know um you know where they're going they don't really have a good lay of the terrain for their life at that moment but for Aiko I see a really vast flat landscape so it feels like Aiko has 
a pretty good grasp of like what's going on for her in the meantime but it just it does feel like um there's some wind picking up so i think that there's going to be some things that challenge her mentally i get the feeling of maybe someone may come to you with some conversation that almost like tests you a little bit um and i I don't know. I, I see the Knight of Swords tarot card, which kind of shows maybe some element of jumping to conclusions. I don't know if that's from someone else or from you. It could it could be a little bit of both. Maybe um, for you, maybe maybe that feeling of rushing to your own um, defense in a way and kind of recessing things privately. Because I see the Seven of Swords represent that as well. Um, but the thing is, when you when you get the situation coming up, I see your feet pretty firmly glued um, to the the leaves beneath you, and so. So what that um, represents, what I'm getting from that, is that like almost like on a gut instinctive level, you know that even though something's kind of challenging you on a, on a mental conversational level, and like they're, I think people are gonna make you feel like you have to defend yourself a little bit, and they're gonna try to. So there's something that's gonna make you feel conflicted, but um, and I think it does partly have to do with like relationships, maybe some of the things that we talked about in this, just in terms of how you handle things for your yourself and your life um, in general. I I can feel your feet um, pretty firmly planted, and I think that you know on a deep Deep, like gut level that you have to stick to the change that you've committed to um, because that's what the autumn leaves represent represents um, changes and I, I can feel that these changes have been positive for you um, but there's just going to be further tests for you and to, to sort of um, keep your spirit high and to keep like that spirit of like the unicorn plushie of like being in touch with your inner child and listening to that and that wisdom of like your inner child knowing what you need on a fundamental level. Um, that was, I, I know I talk pretty fast when I end up channeling things. Do you have any messages, or not messages, but questions about the messages that I shared? No, I don't have any questions. It's, wow, it's really like, I feel like it's really accurate. Yeah. Scarily accurate for my life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just like processing it all. And I think it's pretty, yeah, I do, I feel like, um with my last year of college coming up yeah there could be like a lot of change coming that way and mm-hmm. like I could be challenged in a lot of areas in there mm-hmm. um but yeah I definitely see myself like um being ready for that change too and just being ready to overcome those challenges mm-hmm. so yeah thank you yeah we're really excited for you like just stay stay strong stay true to who you are because you've been doing a really great job again you have such a positive attitude and spirit i'm sure all the listeners right now have been able to hear that because i think it just carries so strongly in your voice like you can feel that you know that that bubbly energy almost feels like champagne you know what i mean like someone who just lights up a room so you just have you know a lot of really wonderful things to share um with the world in general um you know as you have right now on this show and speaking of that uh i go if you want to share what projects you're involved in um you know any social media that you want to plug this is your time to shine yay okay um so i'm currently a music student studying at um, UCSB. Um, i'm studying vocal performance um i love singing that's what i do and i'm trying to be a lot better about posting my craft on social media and one of those places will hopefully be youtube um, my YouTube is youtube.com slash IcoV, or if you just type in my full name, Ico Vapor, um, in YouTube, my channel should pop up. Um, I'm also part of a local band here in Santa Cruz. We're not currently performing right now because of the pandemic, <laughs> but in, <laughs> but in any case, um, we are called Cruise Patrol Band, and, um, we're a pop rock cover band, um, and I'm the lead female vocalist. 
and um, we perform at like various bars and like rent, um, restaurants and venues and things. And um, the Instagram is at Cruise Patrol Band, um, just for like future updates and stuff if you want to check that out. Um, and then the last thing, um, I've always really been into makeup ever since I was like in high school or like in middle school since I could get my hands on some makeup. And um, I really love doing it. It's um, really um, relaxing for me and just like a, a lot of fun. Um, so I've been posting a lot of the looks that I've been doing on Instagram and it's at Kawaiiko Cosmetics. Um, it's K-A-W-A-I-I-K-O-O-O-S-M-E-T-I-C-S. <laughs> so <laughs> it's really long. Um, but yeah, like I post a lot of my looks on there and I'm super excited about that because it's just like a fun way I can express myself. And then lastly, um, if you want to just follow me and check out my life, um, my app on Instagram is hello, I'm Aiko. Um, it's hello, I'm Aiko with three O's at the end. Um, yeah, so that's all my social media stuff. Um, follow me if you'd like. And yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing. Aiko, um, for those of you who might be new to the show or don't know who I am, um, my username is Mahiwagale on pretty much everything. Mahiwaga means magical in Tagalog, and that's spelled M-A-H-I-W-A-G-A. Um, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on YouTube. I've started making videos. Um, and you can also find a friend on the line on Instagram as well. It's just a friend on the line. Pretty easy to find. Um, and we want to thank you again to all of you listening live to those of you who may listen after i upload this as a podcast um if any of you have requests for you know what to cover in a future episode or different content that you want to see definitely let me know i'm super open to suggestions and more questions um and yeah it's just been a huge privilege to um talk about this with all of you and I hope everybody was able to you know maybe take a little bit um, away from it so Aiko thank you again so much for being here for sharing your time um, your energy your stories it was just so great to have you as a guest Um, and so now that the episode is coming to a close we are just going to finish up with a short song to send you all off into the night thank you again and stay tuned for the next episode episode.